0: What an easy game, am I right? Welcome into Fantasy Football Today DFS on Tuesday, November 2nd. Frank Stanfield joined by Mike McClure and Sian Ajad. Today on the podcast, we will recap Week 8, take a look at our cash and GPP lineups. Who won the FFT DFS contest this week and what did that lineup look like? It's actually pretty impressive who won. We'll talk about that later on. It wasn't my dad, just spoiler alert. And then we will take an early look at Week 9 pricing and some uh, early... Thoughts on the Thursday night football showdown game between the Colts and the Mike White-led New York Jets. How about Mike White? What is up, Sia? NFL DFS, easy game, right? It's what we say every week.
1: Mike White, Fort Lauderdale's finest, to now be featured on Thursday night football as a standalone quarterback. Uh, Pretty cool for him. Really cool story. I'm doing great. You know, if you looked at our cheat sheet last week, you probably did really well because guys like Michael Carter, who was basically the main passing candidate for Mike White, um, all, all the, the chalk plays, all of the value plays from, you know, Cole Beasley, just all the way down the line. The stacks were really good. So, yeah, as you can anticipate, I'm in a pretty good mood. I had a pretty good week, as as did all of us, and I'm hoping we can carry it forward to this week coming up.
0: Yeah, obviously I'm being completely facetious. We've had some rough weeks here on the podcast and, and we're very transparent about that, but hey, when we hit, we're, we're going to talk about it and, and you're right, man. The cheat sheet, I took a look back at it earlier today and up and down, we we hit on a bunch of different names there. From your Michael Carter, uh, I had the Carson Wentz, Michael Pittman stack. I know Mike McClure played. Uh, a, why did I just say your last name? You're right there. Mike played uh, Boston Scott as his contrarian play. He used him in cash, uh, but we'll take a look at that. And Mike, I actually wanted to ask you this question, right? So we're we're getting further into the season now. We're already up to week nine, and I wanted to ask you, in your experience, how does the NFL DFS crowd change? Do we start to when do we start to see these casual players fall off? When does the competition start to stiffen up? It seems like maybe that's already happened. What do you think?
2: Yeah, it's about to this point. It's probably closer to week 10 to 12 uh, when it really, really starts to kick in. So right now, the good thing that we have is the DFS NBA season has started and that kind of brings some new life and creates other opportunities for other players to still invest in the NFL uh, so that really helps for like the first week or two. And then it really hurts because people start losing money in the NBA as well and have less funds to play with in the NFL. But we're still good for another couple weeks for sure. But it should tighten up and get a little more difficult to win going forward. But that's not necessarily a bad thing always, especially when you have us in your corner, because what it really does is it makes things a little bit more predictable, in my opinion, as far as where the field is going to go. Because when we are know that we're dealing with a little bit sharper player, We can really easily identify which plays they identify uh, as the shark plays, and we can start to make some interesting stands
1: and contrarian plays in tournaments. So, I, I, Frank, let me just tell you, I think that's such an interesting point because you guys know I have somewhat of a poker background. We talked about it um, er, earlier in the season. It's the same thing with poker. You know, sometimes when you're going up against, quote, like the sharks or the professionals, they know the moves and you know the moves that they know as well. So you can kind of anticipate when they're going to repop you or or when they're going to pre floppers You can anticipate their hand ranges unless they're just a complete loose cannon. So it's not always a bad thing to go against like the quote professional or, or the more talented player, however you want to characterize the more seasoned player. Um, there is a lot of ways to actually take real advantage of that over just that maybe the casual person who you're not exactly sure what they're going to do. So I think it's a really good point by Mike, and and it should sort of embolden the listeners to take a listen to the show if you're not already uh, week to week, because um, that's definitely a fine point.
0: Yeah, and we're going to be here all season long. NFL season, 18 weeks long this year, obviously. Uh, So we're going to be here week in and week out. You can listen to us again. You can watch us on YouTube. That's YouTube.com slash Fantasy Football Today. Let's start with our cash game lineup review. And in week eight... It was another mad week for chalk running backs. The massive $25 double-up saw eight running backs in double-digit ownership. Three of those wound up with snowflakes this past week. That was DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, and uh, James Robinson, who left that game because of injury. So that really wasn't a performance thing. It was obviously just a fluky injury-related situation there for James Robinson. The high-end chalk-wide receivers hit with the exception of Emmanuel Sanders. So names like Chris Godwin, Michael Pittman, T. Higgins was fine. He didn't have a monster game, but he was fine. And then uh, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown were all great. And then at tight end, it was, we tried to tell you, it was Dan Arnold's season, baby. And uh, he was 43% owned in that $25 massive double up. And he put up 14.8 DraftKings points at that $2,800 salary. Let's start with the best of the three of us in week eight. And that was Sia. He put up 209.86. That's right, 209.86. .86. .86. See, I hope you played this lineup in some single-entry GPPs because that is just a massive score here. Uh, you get the Josh Allen with the double stack, Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley. You got your chalk in there with Daryl Henderson and Michael Pittman and Dan, Dan Arnold, uh, obviously A.J. Brown. And uh, you put your money where your mouth is, and you played Michael Carter at 4% ownership, and he drops a 32-burger. Great call by you.
1: Yeah, I wish I had this in some of my single entry GPPs. I did well on that end as well, but my highest score, I think, in the in the single entry or three max was like one eighty five, one eighty six. So if I had this one in in the biggest single entry I did, I, I probably would have won. Actually, I know I would have won like about five thousand dollars. You know, more than I did. And I, you know, it's that that would have been a gigantic uh, difference. But so this, listen, there's not much to talk about here. We talked about this on Tuesday with the early pricing. And we talked about on Thursday in terms of this is the stack I'm focused on. This is the stack I'm going to be overweight on. It was going to be a double stack with Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley. And and it's because of the value. First of all, Diggs and Allen, it's expensive, but then I can counteract that with some value with Cole Beasley, who had been kind of a target monster the week before. Michael Carter gives me plenty of relief. I'm sorry for the 96% of you that decided that wasn't a good play. I understand it's the Jets, but this was a guy who we knew was going to get a lot of targets regardless of the game script. So that really paid off. Daryl Henderson chalk, of course, Michael Pittman chalk. We talked about how Michael Pittman might be. We even said it on Tuesday. This guy might be the most popular rostered receiver um, this week. And it turned out he was probably second or third. I can't remember. Uh, and then, of course, A.J. Brown. And then I, I we, we talked about the punt defense, Washington football team. I mean, this is literally – I couldn't have – in terms of what we talked about on the show and me specifically, I couldn't have pulled – anything closer to what we talked about than these particular players and this particular lineup.
0: Yeah, and you guys doubled down on Michael Pittman, too, when I asked you on Thursday, You know, even if T.Y. Hilton plays, are we still in on Michael Pittman? And you guys both responded yes, so uh, good job there. Massive game for Michael Pittman. He puts up the uh, 10 receptions and two touchdowns there from Carson Wentz. Mike, I did want to ask you just about Stefan Diggs in general for a second, just his, his fantasy value, his DFS value. I think we have to lower our perception of Stefan Diggs for now. Maybe I'm wrong. You tell me, but he's still very talented. And, you know, he's on a great offense. He's got a great quarterback. But the weapons have kind of emerged here. They've added Emmanuel Sanders in the offseason. Uh, and Diggs' target share is all the way down to 24%. Last year, he finished third in the NFL with a 29% target share. So unless I start to see that salary drop a little bit, which I don't think is going to happen, I think we just need to kind of lower our expectations for Stefan Diggs right now.
2: Yeah, I think that we can lower the expectations, but I don't think it makes him a bad DFS play, uh, really, in any format. You look at the ownership here at 5.6%. This falls into that category of Tyree Kill. You know, you guys know I like to play him because of the upside that he presents. Anytime you get a player like that under 10%, I think it's going to be fine to invest in him on any given week. Uh, So I don't have any issues with it. I do think you do lower his median projection a little bit um, because the weapons have emerged. They don't need to go there. He obviously is going to draw the most attention from opposing defenses. However, I do think that if the Bills find themselves in more competitive games, now I know this one was competitive for a while, a lot more competitive than it frankly should have been. But as they find themselves in more competitive games, I certainly think that the ball will get thrown that direction a little more as they have to lean on him. So. Right now, I think that it's kind of a blessing that he's not putting up 25 point games and that ownership is trickling down under 10%. You kind of want that price point, like, you don't want that price point to go all the way down to 6,900 or 7K just because everyone will be on him. But there's not a massive difference between, say, 7,100 and 7,800 to 7,900 where he might be in future weeks. So I think it's going to be a spot where we're actually going to end up investing quite a bit in tournaments in the coming weeks.
0: All right, let's stick with Mike here and take a look at your cash game lineup. You also get it done. You put up 169.92, and you made the bold call of fading Daryl Henderson as huge favorites against the Houston Texans, and it honestly didn't matter uh, because you hit big on three contrarian plays, and that included uh, Michael Carter at 6.4%, Boston Scott who was your contrarian play of the week. You got him at sub 2%. He obviously scores the two touchdowns there. And then Debo Samuel, someone else, you also touted last week. And you get him at sub 6%. Obviously goes off for the massive game. Six receptions, 171 yards. Get the 100-yard bonus in there as well. Really, the only thing that happened with this lineup was that Jalen Hurts ran bad. And I was a little bit worried about Hurts last week, and I brought this up. But if you told me, that the Eagles scored forty-four points and that included four rushing touchdowns, I w- I would have to imagine at least one of those goes to Jalen Hurts. So I do think he just ran a little bit bad in the spot.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think I ran very really bad in this lineup. Uh, I think the uh, you know this is my worst lineup of the week by a considerable margin. It just so happened to be in cash games. It doesn't happen that often where it's your worst lineup. Um, The DeAndre Swift situation, uh, that's why you don't see Henderson in this lineup. Henderson would have been there had we not got the news that we did on Sunday morning, which forced DeAndre Swift into also every single lineup that I played, which unfortunately did not work out at 9.1 points. But yeah, the Jalen Hurts, you give the Eagles 44 points. And his median outcome in a 44 point game is literally going to hit, like, it's closer to 33 than 11 on, on his points here. Um, he should have had a bare minimum of 24 points in this game. And it's just kind of the way it goes, uh, it's, you know, part of it. And obviously didn't matter this week. So fortunate for that. And, you know, the Boston Scott call, yeah, I was on it there. It's kind of a strategy you've seen from me all year. I really for the most part and paying up for a premium at the wide receiver or tight end positions that I really love this week. That was Cooper cup. You Samuel at all costs and Boston Scott, as far as how I ended up on that play, we've seen it from the Eagles. We've seen it from a number of teams, especially when you're dealing with some of the younger players like Gainwell while it might seem like they might jump into that lead back role, sometimes they like to keep them in that secondary role that they're used to being in when they're so new in the offense. And they like to bring someone else in to take that primary role to keep everything else kind of the same there. And unfortunately, or fortunately, fortunately for me, unfortunately for a lot of the field, that's what happened to Kenny Gainwell in this game.
0: Yeah. And we won't talk about this uh, because Derrick Henry is not on the main slate this week. He's not going to be on any slate any uh anymore moving forward but what you just mentioned is the fact that you know sometimes teams would j- rather just you know bring someone in and, and and give them that role rather than expand someone like jeremy jeremy mcnichols role uh so i think we're going to see a lot of adrian peterson with the tennessee titans moving forward which is uh it's pretty gross at, at 36 years old there uh mike uh see it rather i did want to bring up debo samuel again like this guy is an absolute stud. I mean, he is a top three or four option at the position at wide receiver week in and week out. Absolutely matchup proof. You know, honestly, I think he's only behind Cooper Cup, Devonta Adams, and maybe even Tyreek Hill. We'll talk about the Chiefs later on because there's something going on there. But yeah, I think Debo Samuel is, he's elevated himself and rightfully so into like that top three conversation at wide receiver.
1: Yeah, and he'll be an interesting play at seventy-eight hundred this week. I'm curious to see what Mike has to to hear what Mike has to say about him in terms of um roster ship. I'm sure we'll get that to that later in the show, but credit to him because I wasn't on Debo at all. Uh in and, and I think part of my Debo hesitance is is just Jimmy Garoppolo. But knowing that George Kittle is out as well, I mean, and they don't have any faith in Brandon Ayuk or any of those tertiary receivers like uh, Sherfield, for example, it really is the Debo show and he can break one. We see his yards after the catch. I mean, he's probably the best in the league when it comes to that. So I, I just, I, I love Debo. I haven't played him enough uh, to my detriment, but you're right. He, this guy's getting very underappreciated.
0: All right. Let's pull up my cast lineup and Back on the winning side, baby. Let's do it. 186.64. And last week I said I wanted to... I was looking into paying down at quarterback, and and that's exactly what I did. I got Carson Wentz at 8.6% ownership here. Uh, Strong fantasy day from Carson Wentz, but dude, like... The decision-making, I, I don't know. We've got to figure something out because it's it's working for fantasy, but, I mean, real-life purposes, like Carson Wentz, what are you doing, dude? Uh, we paired him up with Michael Pittman in this spot and went with chalk at running back Daryl Henderson and DeAndre Swift. I thought Swift, much like you, Mike, I thought Swift was a great play even before Jamal Williams was ruled out, and then, you know, once that happened... Um, yeah, you know, it was it was obviously just an automatic lock here uh, for me with DeAndre Swift. And then I got Cooper Cup at wide receiver, Cole Beasley at wide receiver, Dan Arnold at tight end, chalk wide receiver with Chris Godwin in the flex, and then, of course, the Washington football team defense. See, so yeah, you and I spoke about last week getting the $500 savings on Cole Beasley versus Emmanuel Sanders, and I, I think it was a pretty easy call in hindsight. Like Beasley even had a higher target share than Sanders going into last week. It was 20% versus 18%, so... I know a lot of people were on Emmanuel Sanders, but you know the the sanding uh, the 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 savings just really kind of stood out there, uh, and I think that was a pretty easy call with to go with Cole Beasley last week.
1: Well, you mentioned the target share, how it exceeded Sanders, but also the the trend was that Beasley, we, we talked about it. I think the the way I'd phrase it is that he's been sort of reintroduced to the offense. The week before he had nine targets, he caught seven of them. And if you remember prior to that, we weren't really sure what Cole Beasley's role was. Well, they kind of told us two weeks ago, and so we just, we just followed that roadmap, and, and it led us to – A 4900 Cole Beasley who listen, Emmanuel Sanders might have been a decent GPP play because he is more likely to get behind the defense. But this is PPR. This is DraftKings. Like you're getting a point every time Beasley touches the ball. So, you know, his floor is great for cash. And obviously he had the requisite upside here, too. So I think Beasley, honestly, like I'm not trying to be arrogant about it. I think Beasley was a super easy call. Forget about up against Sanders. Beasley was an easy call, period, in my opinion, in terms of playing him in cash and GPP.
0: Yeah, and especially when you consider that Dawson Knox wasn't going to play in that game, right? So, it, like, we just needed another or Josh Allen, rather needed another uh, just safe option that he could lean on in this game, and that's exactly uh, who Cole Beasley was, and could potentially be in Week Nine if Dawson Knox is out again. Mike, we talked about this recently with DeAndre Swift. Uh, it seems like. He's kind of the Jalen Hurts of the running back position, where he always gets there, whether it's through garbage t- garbage time, whatever it might be. He catches so many passes, he gets the red zone usage. But this is what it looks like when the Lions are getting absolutely destroyed in the game, and we all knew that they were bad, but like losing 44 to six to the to the Eagles, bad. I, I don't I don't think that anyone uh, actually thought that they were that bad. So this is what can happen um, when you run bad with, with DeAndre Swift.
2: It's definitely what can happen when you run bad. Um, and, you know, it's ironic that it happened to be the week that everyone got onto to him because of the late news. Uh, fortunately, like, you know, we all survived playing him, which is great. Uh, so actually, because we survived, yes, we lost out on some upside. We actually should welcome this because it leaves a sour taste in the people's mouths. Now they're on the bye week, going to be totally out of sight, out of mind. We're going to be able to invest in DeAndre Swift again, because guess what? They're going to be underdogs in another football game very, very hmm. soon. They're going to be throwing the ball. It's just one of those games that you kind of have to throw out, just the combination of Hertz and Swift, getting the game script that, frankly, you wanted for both players and then them not getting there. Uh, I, I think it's fine. You know, I think we're going to be able to reinvest in both of those players very, very soon.
0: All right, let's move on to some of our GPP lineup review here, and we'll stick with you again, Mike. You put up 186.04 in this GPP lineup, and uh, you got the Colts-Titans game stack, which was very popular, rightfully so. You got Wentz-Pittman. You bring it back with A.J. Brown at running back. You go with DeAndre Swift, and a name we haven't talked about yet, Cordarell Patterson. So I wanted to ask you, the news comes out 90 minutes prior to kickoff on Sunday that Calvin Ridley will not be playing in week eight and for the foreseeable future as he you know deals with uh his mental health situation and obviously we're wishing the best for calvin Ridley to get back on track and eventually get back on the football field here but once you get that news about calvin ridley mike how how much did that elevate names like corderel patterson and kyle pitts and even russell gage who i saw some people play obviously you know he he turned out to be very bad but uh, how do you react to that news while it's happening
2: Yeah, no, it definitely changed the projection quite a bit, obviously, enough to get him in here. Um, It wasn't a manual decision. I know that a lot of people hate to hear that, but it was not a manual decision to put Patterson in this lineup. Uh, It just kind of got there. I did give him some manual upgrades, but I didn't physically click his name and put it in this lineup. Uh, But the reason why I bumped him up is because of the player missing and then because of the ownership. um, I thought it was going to be a great time to pivot away from Darryl Henderson still. And and that's what I ended up doing because I had Cooper Cup in the lineup. I actually had a negative correlation between the two. So that's why he's in there. Unfortunately, Swift found his way into this lineup and every lineup I played this week. So going to really, really, really cap my upside when a 40% owned, 40 owned player like that really doesn't get it done for me. But uh, as far as Patterson, yeah, just a price point play um, and then taking advantage of the late news, as I think that generally the public was more interested in reacting to the Swift news than the Atlanta Falcons news.
0: The rest of the lineup here, you also go with Cole Beasley. You get Dan Arnold in a tight end, Cooper Cup at flex and the Washington football team defense. Nothing crazy there. What stood out to me, Cooper Cup was only 10 percent owned, Mike. Like, how did that happen?
2: Yeah, people, uh, you know, it's a fragile spot. It was, you know, a high point in the season in terms of the salary, massive, massive favorites. Uh, You know, I think that if Taylor had been the quarterback, this number would have been closer to 20%. I think that the late news with Davis Mills starting, we all know we've got that sample size of the Texans offense with Mills. We know that they're not good. And I think that that combined with some of the other plays on the slate that people wanted to invest in, I think it was just one of those everyone knew he was going to be popular and everyone kind of pivoted off at the last minute. And uh, I, you know, like you say every week, fade Cooper Cup at your own risk. And I did not fade him this week.
0: All right, let's move on to a, a GPP lineup here from Sia. And very similar to your cash game lineup, Sia, you had basically a 3v3 where you wound up with uh, Swift, Jonathan Taylor, and T. Higgins in there over Daryl Henderson, Michael Pittman, and Stefan Diggs from your cash lineup and uh, a few things I was going to ask you, is this a single entry? If it was, again, I, like, I, I'm not trying to rub it in because I'm sure you had a great week anyway, but you know, you play your cash lineup here, you, you might take it down. You might take down this Yeah,
1: it, the cash lineup, I think, finished in second place, and it was okay. the difference of... Uh, I like five or six thousand dollars. Honestly, the, the big miss for me, and I, I don't want to call it a miss because I don't mind playing T. Higgins here, like you said, it, it's a very similar lineup. I, of course, I paid up for Swift, which I didn't do in the cash game. That, you know, that ended up really working to my detriment. Cause if I had paid down there, then maybe I fit in like a Chris Godwin or something like that. And this lineup really explodes. But so so Swift was a was a big miss, I guess you could say it was Higgins was really the problem, though, because what had happened was I had um, Pittman in there. But I thought, okay, with Pittman and Taylor, I didn't feel th- like I thought that, you know, it's just to me, it was a negative correlation. And, and I don't know if Mike agrees, I, I'd love to get his opinion, but it seems like an obvious negative correlation there. So especially since I wasn't stacking that game. So once I realized I had Pittman and Taylor in there, because I'm manually building this, I was like, Oh, let me just pivot to Higgins. It's an easy pivot for me to make. And honestly, Higgins almost got there. I mean, he didn't have a ton of targets, but he had 97 yards. So he's three yards away from the bonus. And by the way, He got touched on the one-yard line while he was down. He got right back up and got in the end zone. I wasn't even sure he was touched, but the point is he was one yard away from – Or maybe I should say three yards away from having maybe almost twice the points that he has here, which is close to what Pittman got. So I'm not going to qualify that one as a mistake, but that's really where it went downhill for me with T. Higgins and Swift. But again, I stuck to my guns here. I went with the guys I said I was going to go with for the most part in terms of the stacks and the low end players that I was definitely going to play, namely Michael Carter, Cole Cole Beasley and Dan Arnold and the Washington football team defense.
0: Mike, two things here. What do you think about that negative correlation statement between Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor? It kind of feels like everything in the Colts offense is running through those two right now. So if they're in a competitive game, a shootout, which that game wound up being, that both of them can go off in the same game. And I don't really have an issue with going T. Higgins uh, in the same lineup as Michael Carter because, again, like you're kind of hoping that that game is competitive back and forth, which it was. And and I I think, again, like you're one yard away from a a pretty big day out of T. Higgins. So I don't really mind the Michael Carter and T. Higgins uh, secondary stack there. Mike, what do you think?
2: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think this lineup is better than what he was proposing with having Pittman over Higgins uh, in this spot. So the only way I would have played Pittman and Taylor together in the same lineup is if I was playing Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only way I would do it is if I'm playing both. You're thinking it's going to be a game where they just either absolutely roll or it's just a massive shootout. But for them to both have big games and big enough games to get there and pay it off in a tournament, it's likely going to be coming through the arm of Carson Wentz. It's going to likely be Jonathan Taylor not only running the football but catching passes like he has been recently. So not a problem at all there. Um, I would not have liked to seen Pittman and Taylor in the same lineup without Carson Wentz, frankly. Um, yeah. That's when I, I think that the scenario where they both pay off the price tag while they certainly got there this week, your lineup arguably would have been better if you had played Wentz over Josh Allen and then obviously used that salary to go elsewhere. But, the, you know, always twenty twenty on that hindsight. But I think you made the absolute right call and that Higgins play, like, easily could have 23 fantasy points in that mm-hmm. game. Very easily.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. Uh, I'll pull up a GPP lineup of my own, and it's snowflake season here for this one. I put up 123.76, and I uh, go with the chalk running backs. Mentioned it was a Taylor Swift week, so I have both ja- Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift in here with Daryl Henderson. So again, just really, really chalky there. And then I, I made two key mistakes in, in this one. Uh, I game-stacked the Bills and Dolphins. It was competitive for a while, um, and you know Jalen waddle was the bring back I had Josh Allen Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders because I was trying to save a little bit of money and, and get those running backs in there jam those running backs bring it back with waddle I don't think in hindsight waddle got 12 targets I, I don't think it was necessarily an awful play you get him at 5.3 percent ownership uh just just did absolutely nothing with those 12 targets the other mistake tried to correlate my defense with one of my running backs the problem is that I chose the Detroit Lions and, and just just don't do that just don't ever play the Detroit Lions defense. It doesn't work. I know that Jalen Hurts has been like subpar as an actual NFL quarterback this year, but don't, don't, just don't do that. Don't try and correlate your defense with uh with DeAndre Swift. Overall, Sia, what do you think about this build uh, as a GPP lineup?
1: I don't mind it. I agree with you about the Lions thing. Listen, your running backs are great. I don't mind the Jalen Waddle play. I'm I definitely would have supported that last week. I guess with Sanders and Beasley, I understand the logic in terms of saving money, but I think the I, the odds that they both get there, I think even though their prices are are good, I, I think the odds that they both get there, knowing that Diggs is around as well, um, I think is is unlikely. So I might have just decided to choose one of those. Obviously, Cole would have been the better one, but I might have just gone with one of those in this particular stack, or I would have stacked one of those with a Stefan Diggs like I did, which again, Diggs didn't work out, but that's what I would have done.
0: Yeah, so the thinking for me was, all right, no Dawson Knox. I thought the target concentration would just be so much on Dig Sanders, and Beasley. Turns out, Gabriel Davis winds up scoring a touchdown in this game. You know, if Sanders gets what Gabriel Davis does, this this lineup still doesn't get there, but that was part of the rationale, the thinking, uh, as to why uh, I did go with those two Bills wide receivers. Mike, what do you think about this construction uh, for, for GPP last week?
2: I really don't mind it at all. And I think it's still fine to correlate the lions with your running back. Um, I think the most concerning thing here is that the lions were still 4.7% owned. I, I would expect them to be lower than that. I would like, if you told me you could get a $2,300 defense, even if it's the lions and they're one to 2% owned, I don't have any issue with that at all. We, we punt the defense all the time. We're not expecting a negative four score. We're expecting most of the time that your score is essentially just going to be a zero. And I, I think that that, is okay knowing that's within the range of outcomes. But I do agree with C. I probably would not have played Sanders and Cole Beasley together in the same lineup. Uh, Just, I I do think that there's somewhat of a negative correlation involved in that one. If I was going to play them together, I would certainly have played Josh Allen and and hoped, you know, they put up 56 points or something in that game. But uh, overall just, you know, it's not the best lineup I've seen, but it's certainly not the worst lineup and just, you know, just ran bad in terms of the number of points that each player individually put up, uh, but the, the lineup was definitely not as bad as the score that it put up.
0: All right. Thanks, Mike. What a nice guy. I mean, letting me off the hook pretty easily here. I do appreciate that. If you want to compete against us this week in our FFT DFS contest, you can do so on DraftKings. 150 entries, $5 to enter. The top 15 gets paid out. The link is in the podcast and the YouTube, YouTube description if you would like to join. Shout out to KB Stratt, hmm, you might have heard the name before. Now won the contest two weeks in a row. I I understand there's only 150 people in this contest, but like, that's still pretty impressive to win a contest two weeks in a row. Uh, Gets $135, so that's now $270 that you could play with in your bankroll. Scores 211.5 points in this lineup. And um, honestly, like, I'm just gonna throw my cash lineup in the FFT DFS contest next week because like, what am I doing? I think I would have finished fifth in this contest if I just played my cash lineup. Anyway, uh, for KB Strat here, Brady, uh, Brady Godwin stack no bring back Michael Carter and Kenneth Gainwell at running back. Just goes to show you that you can have a dud, you can have a snowflake in your lineup, and you could still win. You could still take down. You know, obviously this isn't a huge contest, but you 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 still can win. What you need to do is, is hit on everything else, and that's exactly what this user did. A.J. Brown, Michael Pittman, Dan Arnold, Cooper Cup, Washington football team. See ya. You had a great showing in this contest. You finished fourth and you cashed. Mike, you actually performed very well also. Uh, just outside the money by one spot, you finished 16th. So yes, I did post an embarrassing photo on Twitter of myself in a Nacho Libre costume uh, back when I was 17 years old. You can go check that out on Twitter at Roto underscore Frank. Uh, see ya. This lineup, um, again, I, I just think it goes to show you can... You can Miss on a player and, and you could still take something
1: down. I can't believe the same person has won twice in a row. It's crazy. I mean, it, it'd be one <laughs> thing if it was twice in one season and that would still be crazy. But twice in a row, given what we've done this for eight weeks is actually amazing. Is this guy, Frank, do you know, is he on Twitter or anything like that?
0: I don't know. Uh, look, if you're listening, um, if you're watching, tweet at us again, the, the, the winner here, KB Stratt. That's the DraftKings username. So I haven't heard from this person yet, but if you want to reach out, yeah, hit us up. I'm at Roto underscore Frank on Twitter. He's at CN Ajad. And then there's at Mike5754. Send us a tweet. Uh, let us know because <laughs> crush it two weeks in a row here.
1: I mean, but this is impressive, I mean, obviously. Brady to Godwin, you're never going to argue with, no matter injuries to Antonio Brown or not. But w- we knew he was going to key in on Godwin. He was a great play. Frank, obviously, you played him too. And Mike, I think you may have as well. I think I was the odd man out. I didn't end up getting to Godwin for some reason. Um, Michael Carter, A.J. Brown, I mean, its its he didn't have any bring back with, uh, with the Saints, but I don't have a problem with that at all. I, I just, everybody in here makes sense. So I i, I love this lot. The Gainwell thing, we talked about him, but really, it was Mike that said, "No, nah, I'm not so much on Gainwell. Let's let's do Boston Scott. If you're going to play a running back in this offense, I mean, this score would have been unbelievable if he had Boston Scott in, and he he would have won some huge tournaments if he put a lineup like that in. But yeah, this is this is a great lineup, and it's consistent with a lot of the guys we talked about, which makes me feel. I'm not saying he's taking our advice, but you know, this is a lineup that scored 211 points in a week that was kind of slow in terms of scoring. So uh, it's nice to see a lot of our guys in there."
0: No, no, no. People are taking our advice, Sia, in this contest because look at Michael Carter's ownership. 18%. The other contest we were talking about, he was 6%. He was 4%. No, no, no. People are listening, so I do appreciate Mm -hmm. that. Uh, Michael Carter, all the way up there, 18% ownership. As for Chris Godwin, basically, anytime A.J. Brown is out, uh, Antonio Brown, rather, Chris Godwin is going to be in my player pool. And especially when you consider the matchup, the fact that Mike Evans had struggled against the Saints in the past, we had that report that uh, Rob Gronkowski was going to to be limited this week and and might be more of a decoy. It was just, for me, it was a slam dunk playing Chris Godwin. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if Antonio Brown uh, can return after the bye. The Bucs are in bye in week nine. Um, But yeah, Chris Godwin, anytime. Uh, That happens. He, I think, is in play. Let's take a quick break. When we return, take an early look at Week 9 pricing here on Fantasy Football Today, DFS.
2: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology,
0: All right. So an early look at week nine pricing. We have four teams on a buy. That is the Detroit Lions, Seattle Seahawks, Tampa Bay Bucks, and the Washington football team. 11 games on the main slate. Two with a total of 50 plus. That includes the Chargers at the Eagles and the Packers at the Chiefs. And then we have seven more games with a total of 46 or more. So it's actually pretty condensed, the uh, the totals that I've seen so far. That means there's at least eight games between 46 and a 50 point total. And then obviously the, the Packers and Chiefs are way up there at, at 55. They're just head and shoulders above everyone else. We are dealing with two double digit spreads with the Bills 14 and a half point favorites at the Jaguars and the Cowboys 10 point favorites at home against the Denver Broncos. Let's start with the quarterback position. There is one quarterback up over 8K on DraftKings. That is Josh Allen. He's 8,200 and no surprise, he's the highest price quarterback on both slates. Uh, both sites this week. And you drop down just a tad, you'll find Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers going up against each other. Uh, again, the highest total on the main slate. Mahomes is 7,800 and Aaron Rodgers is 7,500. Mike, what do you think of these elite quarterbacks, these higher priced quarterbacks in this spot? And what is going on with your Kansas City Chiefs? Chiefs have not been good, that's for
2: sure, but uh, I will be going back to the well a little bit this week against Green Bay, to nobody's surprise. Um, the quarterbacks that I like this week, though, there's a lot of them uh, at the top. I really like Lamar Jackson, I like Patrick Mahomes, uh, I could be talked into playing Josh Allen, although it won't be in cash games for me, um, and then I could still get there on Aaron Rodgers at 7500 as well, So, but right now it's Lamar Jackson just because he is the cheapest, uh, and I like the spot for him, but... I'm going to have Lamar, I'm going to have Mahomes, and I'm going to have Aaron Rodgers at the top.
0: Yeah, I do like Lamar Jackson quite a bit myself. Might be looking at him as uh, an early cash game play at this point in the week. Going up against the Minnesota Vikings, that game has a 49 and a half point total as of now. And then a few other names that stood out to me in that mid-tier. Justin Herbert, he's struggling right now, but we still know he has big upside. He is at the Eagles, he's 7K. Joe Burrow is in a divisional game against the Browns. He's 6,800. And I believe I saw the stat that he is the only quarterback with multiple touchdown passes in every game this season. Jalen Hurts is on the other side of that Charger game. He's 6,700. He let us down in week eight. But we know that he still has a very high floor and ceiling each and every week. A few uh, cheap options I'll mention. Tua Viloa is going up against the Houston Texans. He's 5,800. Taysom Hill looks like he's going to start now for the New Orleans Saints. He's up against the Falcons at 5,500. And then Teddy uh, Teddy Bridgewater at the Cowboys, 10-point dogs. Cowboys have a, a, a really strong cornerback there in Trayvon Diggs, but uh, have still given up some production in the past game. He is just 5,300. Sia, what are we thinking with the quarterback position?
1: I'm thinking I'm going to be paying up high for quarterback. I think the only quarterback I'd even consider low, and this assumes he's fully cleared through concussion protocols and actually ready to go. But Taysom Hill at 5,500 certainly makes sense at home against Atlanta. It's almost like the same. It's almost like a Jalen Hurts argument Uh, to me. He has plenty of touchdown equity, maybe more than Jalen Hurts actually, but is certainly going to be using his legs a decent amount as well. So Taysom at 5,500 makes sense, but, I agree with Mike. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is definitely in play. My favorite is probably going to be Josh Allen again. A close second is going to be Lamar Jackson. I think my third favorite is Aaron Rodgers. So those are kind of like the three guys I'm going to be playing the most and, and I'm going to be stacking the most. Honorable mention to Herbert because I feel like people are probably down on Herbert at this point. Um, They do travel to the East Coast, so that's kind of a knock against them. People aren't going to knock him for that necessarily, but Philly does – sport a pretty good pass defense, at least from a numbers perspective. So I think the combination of those things are going to keep Justin Herbert's ownership low. And if that's the case, I'll I'll definitely dive in. Burrow's interesting, um, but for me, it's Josh Allen, Lamar, Aaron Rodgers, and a little bit of Justin Herbert.
0: And I'll point out uh, a a scheduling item there with Justin Herbert. Traveling East, but that game is still at 4 p.m., So it would be a normal 1 p.m. start on the West Coast. So it's not like last time he faced the Ravens traveling east and and he played in that 1 p.m. Eastern time start. That game is a little bit later this week. At the running back position, we have two running backs that are at 8K or higher on DraftKings. That includes Christian McCaffrey. He is right at 8,000. Sounds like he's going to try and practice on Wednesday. We'll see what happens with CMC. And then Alvin Kamara is at home against the Atlanta Falcons. He's 8,200. And last week... First game with Mark Ingram back with the Saints. Kamara played a season-low 67% of the snaps. And last year when Taysom Hill was the quarterback, Kamara's targets and receptions came way down. So I'll just point that out very early here in the week. Uh, there's two names that are just below Alvin Kamara and, and CMC that, are, that stand out to me, and that is Austin Eckler at the Eagles. He's 7,900. And Dalvin Cook at the Ravens. He's 7,700. Coming off a disappointing game against the Dallas Cowboys. Mike, what do you think about these running backs up top? Maybe I shouldn't even ask you because, like, you're not going to pay for running backs. We know that.
2: Yeah, probably not. But I could end up with a little bit of Aaron Jones. It really, like, if I do pay up for running back, it's going to depend on what the status of Taysom Hill is uh, and if that's even a viable option for us. If it is, then Aaron Jones will definitely make his way into the player pool. If not right now, I'm going to have a lot of Chase Edmonds. I'm going to have a little bit of Eli Mitchell. Uh, I know they're in the same game, which is typically a no-no, but at least one of them catches enough passes that I think it's going to be fine and the price points kind of negate everything. So the three running backs that I've got circled so far are Chase Edmonds, Eli Mitchell, Aaron Jones. Um, Let's see. Maybe by the time uh, Sia gives his take, I might be able to run and find some deeper value. But as of right now, that's where I'm going to be looking.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a weird slate right now, and it's not looking great at the running back position. So I, I'm, I'm thinking I might be spending down as well. I mean, we have no Jonathan Taylor on the slate. He's been amazing this year. He plays on Thursday Night Football against the New York Jets, obviously. Michael Carter, who probably would have been uh, a pretty affordable price, is also playing in that same game. But a few other value standouts for me. Devontae Booker, going up against the Las Vegas Raiders. He's 5,900. You could run on the Raiders. Miles Gaskin, you could definitely run on the Texans. He's 5,800. He had 15 touches last week. I do like Elijah Mitchell in that game against the Cardinals. He's 5,800. Daryl Williams is 5,700. I don't know who Derek Gore is. Is he related to Frank Gore? Not sure. He scored a touchdown on Monday Night Football. Came out of nowhere, but it's still a pretty good price for a running back on the Kansas City Chiefs offense. We have all the Eagles running backs. They're 5,200 or less. And, uh, It's gross, Sia, but I'll just throw the name out there. If James Robinson can't go, Carlos Hyde is 4,900. He had six receptions
1: last week. Different position, but Jamal Agnew is 4,300. And I think that's a guy to be interested in in that Bill's Jaguars game. But yeah, as far as the punt options, oh, let me tell you a couple of the guys I like up top. We'll we'll have to wait and see on Kamara. I'm probably not going to get there. I might take a chance on Eckler especially if I'm not stacking the game. I think that might be a piece that I get of that game. Philly like not great against the run, as we know. Dalvin Cook's interesting to me as maybe a, a run back option if I'm stacking the Ravens, which I expect to do. Uh, I like mixing a little bit at home against Cleveland in spite of that offensive line being pretty bad right now. I think it might be Nick Chubb week. I think it might be, because we know we don't have Kareem Hunt back. Dearness Johnson gets some touches, but we saw last week, not many. And Nick Chubb going against Cincinnati, I, I think he's going to be able to run downhill against these guys. So I think that might be where I start, Nick Chubb, and I might build around that. Hopefully, I can pay up for Eckler. Otherwise, I'm paying down for Damian Harris because I like him at Carolina. And if I really want to punt, I think A.J. Dillon at Kansas City makes a lot of sense at 4,600.
0: I will just point out, see so yeah, uh, how, how concerned are you about the fact that there were three rushes inside the ten last week for the Cleveland Browns and Dearness Johnson actually had two of those. So maybe it's, you know, Chubb's first game back and they didn't want to throw much at uh throw too much at him right away. But is that something that you would actually be concerned about this week for Chubb?
1: Not really, only because his rushing attempts weren't voluminous. And, and that's really all I care about. I don't think they were specifically targeting Dearness Johnson for the goal line work. I just think from a game flow standpoint, that just happens to be what it was. If you ask me this coming week, is Dearness Johnson going to get some, some goal line work? Yeah, maybe. But it won't be, to, in my opinion, it's not going to be more than Nick Chubb's. So I think Nick Chubb's going to get a decent complement of, of red zone work, but also work between the 20s as well.
0: All right, let's move on to the wide receiver position. And before we talk about pricing, there is a situation developing right now involving Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs. He was part of a very serious car accident early Tuesday morning. And while Ruggs came away with minor injuries, just minor injuries, it turns out that he will be charged with a DUI resulting in death. Under Nevada law, uh, this is a Class B felony and a punishment includes two, anywhere from 2 to 20 years in prison. So... Obviously, there are a lot of facts. There are still things coming out that that need to be gathered, uh, and, and it's a very sad and avoidable situation. So, our, our thoughts and prayers are are with the victims, friends, and family. Obviously, there, uh, please just please. In, in today's day and age, just don't drink and drive. Like there are so many different ways to get around: Uber, Lyft, whatever you want to do. It's just it's just very easily avoidable. Um, so, again, thoughts and prayers there. It, it's never an easy transition, but uh, let's get back into DFS and, and talk about wide receiver the wide receiver position uh, all the way up top. We have Devonte Adams at the Kansas city chiefs. He is 8,200 expected to return to practice on Thursday. And then just behind him, we have Tyree kill 7,900 Tebow Samuel versus the Arizona diamondbacks. And then Stephon Diggs at the Jaguars, uh, 7,700. So a lot of names we already talked about today here, Mike, uh, I know you like Tyree kill quite a bit. He had 18 targets. He turned them into like 92 yards. So, Again, like the Chiefs' offense is kind of broken. This game has the highest total on the slate. I think a lot of people are going to gravitate towards Devontae Adams and or Tyreek Hill.
2: They are, but I'm excited to see Debo Samuel against that Diamondback secondary. It's going <laughs>
0: yeah, to be me too. Did I, did I say Diamondbacks? Again? I, Diamondbacks yeah. can't cover Jeez, anybody. Jeez, man, like I have the Diamondbacks <laughs> hat on. I don't know. It's like. I, I don't it. know. I don't know why this keeps happening, but there, whatever. Um, Diamondbacks. It's all crazy. right, yeah.
2: We'll get back <laughs> to being serious, So I love all three of the guys at the top. I've already got a lineup built with all three of Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, and Debo Samuel in the lineup. Wow. Um, yep, there's a lot of value, so love I'm going to have to it. give you the first it. value play. We already know one of the value plays. We've talked about they They're on bye week. Now we get to play him again. It's Rashad Bateman, $4,000. He is a $5,600 player in this offense. He's an absolute stud. We're going to play him until the price point at least goes over $5,000. So you're going to pair Rashad Bateman. You're definitely pairing him with Lamar Jackson if you're playing Lamar. If not, I think it's a really good way to get some exposure to a Lamar ceiling game. Uh, But, yeah, those are the guys I'm interested in there. The other name that pops in a lot of lineups is going to be Jalen Waddell. Uh, For obvious reasons, you talked about him. You played him last week, the number of targets. I, I think it's going to be there. I think they're going to find themselves in a very competitive game with the Houston Texans still. And then the last name we'll mention uh, with the Raiders situation, I think that Hunter Renfro is going to get a bump uh, in that Raiders offense immediately. So those would be the guys that I am targeting early early in the week. But I can pretty confidently tell you most of my lineups will have a bare minimum of two of Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Debo Samuel.
0: All right, I think I know how I fix this situation. So whenever I make the rundown, I just use the team abbreviation, A-R-I, I'm just going to write out Cardinals moving forward because th- this is going to be a problem. I can see this is going to just be a problem all season long. So I'll, I'll, I'll make that adjustment here. Uh, some other mid-tier options that stand out to me. Hollywood Brown is going up against the Minnesota Vikings. He is 6K. Amari Cooper just had a monster game on Sunday Night Football. It was with Cooper Rush. He's only 5,700. So a couple of weeks ago, there were just a few prices that were egregious. It was like Calvin Ridley. It was Chris Godwin. This just seems like one of those situations like even if the the Cowboys don't want to pass, that, that's just too cheap at, at fifty seven hundred. Uh, Jalen Waddle, someone I like. Cole Beasley, again, if Dawson knocks is out, he is fifty four hundred. He's the cheapest of the three wide receivers for the Bills, not including Gabriel Davis. Uh, Devontae Parker, coming off a pretty big game, he's fifty three hundred, going up against the Texans. And then see your boy uh, T Higgins. He's still very cheap. He's fifty three hundred. You can throw the ball against the Cleveland Browns. So as long as his price remains in that range, I I think he'll be in play.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. I'm going to play some T. Higgins again this week. He didn't get a ton of targets last week, but he's getting more targets than than pretty much anybody on the team, or at least his target share is similar. I, I haven't looked at it as of this week, but it's definitely similar to Jamar Chase's. I think it exceeds it. So I, I like Higgins a lot. I'll tell you at the top. Yeah, Adams and Tyreek. Uh, I like I like Diggs again because I'm going to be stacking that Buffalo game. I agree with you on Marquise Brown. I think if you're Stacking Justin Herbert, Herbert and Mike Williams will be a very low owned stack. So I think that's very interesting. Cortland Sutton at home against Dallas is another one that I kind of like. He's only, what is it? 5,900. I think that's reasonable. Let me give you some low end options. Um, Kadarius Tony, if he's healthy, came back into the game yesterday, so he appears to be healthy. Sterling Shepard, I don't think he aggravated or he, he had a quad injury. I don't think he's playing next week. And they're going to need to score against the Raiders. I think Tony might end up being the go-to guy. He'll get a ton of catches. Here's some sort of gross-ish punt options, especially if you like that Cincinnati game in any way in terms of their pass catchers. You could run it back, of course, with Nick Chubb or Odell Beckham at 4,500. I'm just throwing it out there. Yes. Jamal, Ag- Jamal Agnew's another one at, at 4,300. His last three games 12 targets, six targets, seven targets. And if James Robinson is out and Carlos Hyde is in, I could see more work coming to Jamal Agnew. And then you, you mentioned, Mike, uh, Rashad Bateman at 4,000. I mean, Listen, that, that, that's just a super low price. I'll mention one other guy. If you really need to dig deep, and we mentioned him already in this show, I believe he had four targets, caught three of them, and a touchdown. Not a ton of yards, but Gabriel Davis at the Jaguars. Again, if you're, if you're trying to do a stack or get a bunch of pieces of this Bills game, um, obviously you want to go Beasley and Diggs, but if you can't afford that, Gabriel Davis is a nice option, potentially.
0: 100% with you on Odell Beckham. I, I know it has been gross, but... He's like been in the news. There's trade rumors. I saw some story about like his dad has some kind of way to fix the Cleveland Browns. I don't know. I didn't read it, but there's a lot of stuff going on with Odell Beckham right now. They've had squeaky wheel situations before in the past with him. It hasn't worked, but he's just so cheap at 4500 Uh One more name I'll throw out there. Uh, Brandon Ayuk. He is 4100 and coming off a game where he played a season-high 88% of the snaps, and he saw a season-high 7 targets. Didn't have a great game. Four receptions for 45 yards, but... He's on the field, um, and it's a and it's an important game there against the Arizona Cardinals, not not the Arizona Diamondbacks. At the tight end position, Travis Kelsey is still up top. He is seven K. He is the highest priced tight end, and he's going up against the Green Bay Packers. Looks like there is going to be no Calvin Ridley again this week. Kyle Pitts is at the New Orleans Saints, fifty nine hundred did let us down uh, last week for for those of us that that played him. Mark Andrews is fifty five hundred. And then we do get Mike Gusecki in just a phenomenal matchup. He's seeing a ton of targets right now. Uh, he is 4,900. A few other plays here, Dallas Goddard all the way down to 4,500. That that doesn't seem warranted. He he's still has a, a massive role since Zach Ertz has been traded. And Dan Arnold, we just played him last week. It's not a great matchup against the Bills. Uh, he's only 3,400, and, and you know he had an awesome game. So let's throw his name out there again. Mike, what do you think?
2: Yeah, Dan Arnold uh, at the top again uh, until they decide that they don't want to throw the football to him, which I I don't see that changing anytime soon. Uh, It's going to be like... Frankly, if you're sprinkling out lineups with the price points, you're going to be able to play Arnold, Agnew, or Hyde this week. You're going to be able to play one of those three. One of those three is getting targeted 8 to 10 times in this game. It's Mm -hmm. just a fact of life in this situation for them. So all three should be in your player pool in some capacity. Dan Arnold will be there. The issue we're going to run into here is he's going to be incredibly popular after the performance he put up again last week. We've touted him a little bit. Other people will start to tout him. It's the spot where he's going to garner all the ownership and could potentially bust here. He'll still be in my player pool, but another guy very similar that I've liked what I've seen out of him recently, and I like what I think we're going to see out of him in this particular matchup. That's Tyler Conklin from the Minnesota Vikings at 3000. Also, anytime I have a situation like this, just because of the way correlations work, I've already told you Lamar Jackson's in my player pool. I've already told you I'm playing Rashad Bateman. Those two being core pieces in the player pool automatically gives a little boost to Conklin in my optimizer and things, just the way I run things because I want to focus on correlations more than the actual median projection. Um, and just the price savings alone at 3K, I think it's going to be the best pivot on the board away from Dan Arnold.
0: And it's a great way to just help find a punt tight end, right? Just correlating it with one of your main stacks. So yeah, yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense with Lamar Jackson and whichever Ravens pass catcher you want to throw in your lineup. Another really cheap tight end I'll throw out there, uh, Tommy Sweeney, if Dawson Knox is out. He's at the Jaguars. He's 3,100. Played 82% of the snaps in Week 8. He ran... 34 routes on 52 dropbacks. 15 of those routes were in the slot. So it's pretty good usage for a tight end. Uh, See ya. Who are you looking at? Tight end.
1: And by the way, I know he's considered day-to-day, but I think Dawson Knox is sitting out this game as well. So so I think Sweeney's definitely in play. Um, I I like all the guys you mentioned. I'll I'll mention towards the top, um, Andrews and Gisecki are are probably the most interesting at 5,500 and 4,900. Dallas Goddard, way too cheap at 4,500 in a game that should be high-scoring. Darnold, of course, or I should say, excuse me, uh, Dan Arnold called him Darnold at 3,400. And then I had Conklin written down too. so Conklin at 3,000, you know, I I think what the Cowboys did, they really took Justin Jefferson away. And I don't know if the Ravens are going to be able to do that. But if you do that, it's just going to funnel the targets to Thielen, of course, and then Conklin. Conklin had seven targets last week, caught five of them. Um, Pretty impressive. And at 3,000, you don't need much from him.
0: All right. Let's uh, wrap up here. One more. Go ahead. One more
1: real
2: quick. Um, Just because I think we're going to be interested in stacking that Chiefs game. We're going to be interested in maybe playing Aaron Rodgers. He's clearly going to be the guy left out still in terms of ownership when you have these other guys on the slate. I like Mercedes Lewis as a real punt tight end. Uh, 2,900. Last week only got one target, which was in the end zone. He did not come down with it. Weeks before that, three targets, three catches, 31 yards, two for two with 17, two for two with 34. All of a sudden, he's going to get targeted in the end zone. This Chiefs defense is the worst defense in the NFL against the tight end position. Uh, if you add a one in the column behind the catches and the yards, which is the touch department, he's going to score twelve fantasy points at twenty nine hundred. If we think that it's a fragile week for some of the other value, I, I think it's an interesting way to get very, very different. Uh, if
0: and Mike's gone, Mike's frozen a little bit here, but I was going to say I actually really do. Like the call of Marcedes um, Lewis, Mike, you're back. You're good. How are we doing? I was never
2: frozen on my screen, so I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe it's yeah, just he's me.
0: Good. All right. Well, all right. Maybe I'm the one who's lagging here. Um. Anyway, I, I I agree with you. I think that it's a really good point. The Chiefs have struggled against the tight end. Uh, whoever is the tight end filling in for Robert Tunyon, who's now out for the year, uh, I think should be in play, and it's most likely going to be. Mercedes Lewis. Let's wrap up with uh, some early thoughts on Thursday Night Football Showdown. The Jets are at the Colts. The Colts are 10.5-point favorites here with a 46.5-point total and put some respect on the GOAT, Mike White. He is $9,800 in this game. Showdown, Uh, lots and lots of Jonathan Taylor. He's 11,600. Jets are getting destroyed by running backs week in and week out. It is now five straight games with 110 or more scrimmage yards and a touchdown. For Jonathan Taylor, that is just elite, elite level production. Uh, T.Y. Hilton has already been ruled out, so maybe we get some Zach Pascal, some Colts tight ends, and obviously Michael Carter is um, has elite usage right now. Twenty three targets over his last two games. Mike, is there anyone else who's kind of popping right now in uh, in showdown?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's you mentioned the name. Zach Pascal is going to be one that's going to fill in uh, nicely, in my opinion, there. And then we have to mention, because it's a showdown slate, we got to mention Marlon Mack. He's $800. He's obviously not getting moved here at the trade deadline. Maybe that means he's back in the rotation for a few snaps on a short week. Uh, these showdown slates on the short week, you have to factor in for running backs. The the short week is not insignificant for running back touches. They do. A lot of teams do try to limit them. It may only be one series, but at eight hundred dollars, if he does what he does in that other showdown slate game earlier this year, um, you know, totally free square that opens it up to let you play Pittman, play Wentz, play Carter, play Mike White, all in the same lineup. Uh, I can guarantee you I'm going to be playing some Marlon Mack at eight
0: hundred dollars. All right, that'll do it. We're going to wrap up there. For C and Mike, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today DFS. The next time you hear us will be on Thursday morning, actually. We're going to be recording this week on Wednesday night, so you'll have that early in your feed on Thursday morning. We will see you then.